1: I know for me, I have been writing, I have been working on the book contest, the Draft a Dream book competition, I guess I should say, book competition. And we're so excited because you can find it on the AuthorU.org website. So all of you who would love to have a grand prize worth approximately $10,000, um, and it ties into this entire topic that would create your book. We're into creativity. With me is Rhonda Shea, an expert in creativity. And throughout the hour, we're going to have a variety of ahas, tidbits, and goodies that will spark your creative juices and take you, your book, your writing, your next book to the next next level. Hi, Rhonda, how are you?
2: Hi, Judith, I'm fine. Thank you for having me on the show today, I appreciate it.
1: Oh, let's, give me a little bit of your background. Our listeners of some of your background so they know what brings you to the party.
2: Okay, well, I spent um, uh, the first 25 years of my career working in media as a creative services and marketing director, and in that, and for a variety of companies, including uh, many years with the Walt Disney Company, and uh, and also working for the Walt, uh, for the Roy Disney family. And uh, what my career focused on was helping the station, not only helping the radio stations or the other properties market themselves, come up with their identity, their footprint in the community, but also specializing in taking the clients of, of those particular media properties and finding new ways, creative ways to connect them not only with the station but with the listener and the viewer for successful outcomes. And, mm-hmm. uh, and in the last part of my career, I spent at Regis University and uh, recently have launched my business where I'm working with folks on developing the creativity.
1: You know, at, when you were working with the Disney group, was there any particular mm-hmm. project that you just loved, loved, loved that really just jumped and, and hit all the bills and whistles for you?
2: Well, at the time, um, I was part of a team that helped to launch Radio Disney. And what really jumped out to me was the attitude and the, and the fostering of the creative spirit that you can get out there and you can really work for a company that values creativity, but strategic creativity. The thing that you learn when you work for a large company that's known for creativity is you learn to... You learn that creativity alone doesn't do it. It has to be strategic. If you can't bring it in, if you can't take that idea that concept, and you can't tie that back to your business or your book or, a, or marketing, then there is no value in terms of an ROI. And it all eventually does relate. To the, are you able to sell more, do more, uh, encourage more people to pick up the book and buy it, encourage more people to use your product? How do you present that to the public? And many times we think the creativity stops at the creation of the product, whether that's a book or a movie, but it really – just begins after the completion of those things because you have to be able to tell the story to get people to buy the work otherwise it just dies on the vine so that was the piece that I thought was interesting because it it transcended the creative actual you would think of a creative product and went into the day-to-day function of strategically getting our business to be successful
1: you know Rhonda I think very few people really think of an ROI um, mm-hmm. When they think of creativity, they don't even put them in the same basket, maybe even the same room together. No, they don't. But, yeah, but I think you really hit the nail on the head right there. So, you talk about you're on a mission to restore creativity in the workplace and your personal lives, and authors mm-hmm. are either, you know, they're reaching out to transformation in the workplace or personal lives, or there's, you know, they're supplying solutions. So, when you were working on a project, uh, when you started any new project, were there Were there steps that you started on to go through to open up the juice factor or get it going or brainstorming um, with colleagues or just yourself?
2: Yes. um, There's a couple of things. Uh, You know, I think the biggest thing is that many people don't realize that creativity is a skill and it can be learned, practiced, and developed. And so like any skill, um, some people are stronger at it than others. But everyone has that creative juice, particularly the people you, that are listening to the show, because they're authors. So they're going to have that ability to be creative. But you have to start thinking of it as a way of life to open those juices up and get it going. So, And what I mean by that is um, there, there are a few things you can do, but particularly I think the biggest enemy of creativity is is time. You know, It's been said that time is the commodity of the 21st century, and if that's the case, and creativity, I believe, is its victim. We absolutely do not take enough time for our minds to be clear of the clutter, to step back from projects and take a deep breath, relax, laugh a little, play a little, and then start the creative process. So to me, not taking the time um, or being in positions where you're working an exorbitant amount of hours and you're really not accomplishing as much as you could if you just stopped and took a breather and then trying to go home and write your book. <laughs> That's deadly. Um, you have to have the. You have to take that relaxation. You have to declutter your, your brain. Uh, sometimes it requires physical uh, space that needs to be declutter needs to go away in order for you to be clear. And there are a number of steps, but that that to me is one of the biggest ones. That's number one. Um, well,
1: you know, I know from my own writing, I've always said that I'm a um, I'm I'm a, a a blitz writer. You know, I go in just deep, deep parts where I will sit down and and. Literally, if, if, if I'm working on a chapter on XYZ, I will go into seclusion almost, and I will get that done. Sometimes I can do it in a day. Sometimes it's a couple of days, but I have to keep everything away from me so mm-hmm. I can diddle around and play and noodle and um, walk around or do whatever it is so I don't have outside noise, which includes the phone and the pinging mm-hmm. and people. Um, Absolutely. And, and all those things. And I think a lot of people don't get that. Um, I, I've, I've always been amused because it doesn't work for me. I'm not one of these people that can, okay, everyone up up at 5 o'clock and you're writing for three hours. That's it. doesn't work for me. <laughs> I don't work in that system. Though some people I know work very well. It, that discipline doesn't work for me. The discipline that works for me is I have to really um, ax out space so I can noodle a little bit.
2: Yes yes and you know some people um, are divergent thinkers and um, where others are not and so so you have to know yourself that's another step on on being creative is know yourself know where your weaknesses are and where your strengths are and then forget about the weaknesses and move on towards strength like you would in any other project but in creativity that's critical to know what you know what's going to help you declutter so to speak your brain or do a brain dump and get rid of all the data you don't need to can focus on your um, on your book or on completing your, your project. And the one thing that helps me sometimes is I have to do something mindless, get away from everybody, like you said, exactly, and I have to do something completely mindless. So I might decide to paint my kitchen cabinet because it's like underwater basket weaving and it's just, it just clears my brain and I'm sitting there with nothing to do. All of a sudden new, it opens it up for new ideas. Now some people um, need to do other exercises like divergent thinking, which is really an incredible process and 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 I think many um you can kind of you can see this in many screenplays and you can see this in, in, in some of the great uh, novels that are that have a lot of twists and turns and it's a thought process that you know you generate ideas by exploring many many possible solutions. And then it, it occurs, it's kind of spontaneous and free-flowing, but you can't do that if there's too much clutter in your brain. You can't sit there and think, well, what if we took this direction? What if we went this way? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to really get yourself to a clutter-free space. And that doesn't mean it has to be o- OCD and everything's got to be in the right place. It just means for you, it's comfortable so that you can you can work on it. And uh I think most, this is kind of an interesting fact, actually, as we're talking about this, that um High IQ alone doesn't guarantee that you're going to be extremely creative. Uh, It's a personality trait that promotes that type of thinking. And um, so divergent thinking is found with people who have traits such as nonconformality, like you you don't conform to things, curiosity, willingness to to take risks and be persistent. Um, And that's where your persistence comes in, whether that's scheduled persistence or just daily persistence at a time of day that that works better for you.
1: So a Divergent Thinker is more of a free spirit, would you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that yeah. fits uh, yes. yeah
2: Yes.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: yeah. Not
2: totally. I mean, it's not quite like a free spirit because sometimes you say that word and people think of people, you know, tracing through fields and with, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> holding, holding <laughs> ribbons. It, uh, it's really people who just take the process and let it flow. Yeah. You know, don't be stuck in, in an idea. So, like, it, one thing leads to another. It's almost like the old thing where the psychologist holds up a butterfly or an ink blot and you say, oh, that's a butterfly, and, or the word association game. So, divergent thinking is just taking that word association game and really expanding on it. And you come up with 10 different solutions to a problem, and then you eventually get to one solution that, that's the one that you use.
1: And it works. I, I know that when I'm writing, um, I, when I, I, I create a game plan for myself and mm-hmm. start playing it out. I, I'm working on a couple of new books right now. And that um, with that, it actually, as I started diddling around with it, another book popped out. You know, I knew that there were two. The third one <laughs> then decided, exactly. you who I'm here, too. And, um, and because I was in seclusion and, you know, our listeners know that I just came off a, a two week cruise where I was in Europe and then I did a transatlantic. And I, once I start the transatlantic part, I go into the deep dive. You know, that's in, I'm, I become, I'm secluded. No one can get to me. And I really start thinking and, and doing different things, but I have to surround myself also with some of the comfort stuff that I don't have to go traipsing off looking for things, but it's all kind of there. And actually, cabin attendants know they can't come into our, our cabin at all because I am at work. It's, it's very interesting, but it works for me. So I think what you're saying is what's critical is that you got to know what works for you um, and, and not what works for someone else because that not may not be your path. And I think that's where a lot of authors and writers get caught up Is they listen to the noise out there thinking you got to do it this way and the reality is you got to do it your way is that what I'm hearing from you
2: absolutely it has to be your way and whatever whatever is whatever way helps you uh, like I said I'll say it again get that brain dump going where there's nothing else standing in the way and that you you find the a way to declutter and that doesn't and again that doesn't mean and like with me my study is an absolute mess, but it's my mess. And I know where everything is. Declutter means that I can't be sitting there getting distracted because the phone is ringing, because, oh, oh, my God, I need to put this piece of paper away. Oh, there's a bill on the desk, a that, that, that distraction that I need to pay. You really need to get that space, both mentally and physically, where you can focus on what you want to do. And sometimes it's taking a walk. You know, It just depends on the person, whatever helps them um, to develop that to, to get into that zone, or as you say, the deep dive, to where you can really, you know, start putting the pedal to the metal and get there and start working on on your project or your book or or your concept.
1: Yeah, that's critical because my deep dive sometimes is just going out and looking at the koi fish. Um, Absolutely. Just kind of watching how the sun hits the sh- you know shimmers on their backs and things like that. And then I get an idea, or I will go off and, you know, I'll see a movie and just drop out. All right, we're going to come back to that. With us is Rhonda Shea, who is an expert in creativity the right way, in my opinion. This is Judith Bryles. You're listening to Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing.
4: Every picture tells a story, and it's a truism that people do judge a book by its cover. Nick Selinger and NZ Graphics have been in the business of producing superior graphic cover design and interior layout for self-published authors, independent and traditional publishers for years. He has developed a reputation for... Excellent work, fast turnarounds, and best of all, affordable pricing. NZ Graphics also produces ebooks and book marketing materials such as posters, sell sheets, postcards, bookmarks, business cards, logos, and more. Books designed for his clients have won multiple book awards, including. Best Book Award by U.S. Book News, multiple Evie Awards from the Colorado Independent Publishers Association, Indie Book Awards, the San Francisco Book Festival Award, and Freedom Medal Award from Valley Forge. Visit www.nzgraphics.com or call 303 985 4174 for more details about making your book the success it should be. Mention that you are an FOJ, friend of Judith's, and that you heard about NZ Graphics on your guide to book publishing.
1: Me is Rhonda Shea and we're talking creativity and as we exited out into the first break we were talking about clutter and um, and Rhonda and I share a lot in common because we have similar offices there are stuff all over so people who are minimalist kind of go nah, when they sometimes meet me and we lay out the plan I mean I clear the conference table I've got a whiteboard that we work on we're working on a variety of things but, for my own work, I am so visually oriented that I gotta see stuff and if I don't see stuff and it's put it away here here's the issue. You know today is Thursday, and on Thursday, my mind my eyeballs may be working in one way, and on Friday, there's a tweak to it. so the Thursday people may not be speaking to the Friday people if I had put it away very neatly, like my highly organized visually organized people want and and I think what's important what Rhonda is saying is you got to work with what works for you not with what works for someone else because we can get off track and then guess what you get stuck you get stopped so clutter doesn't mean or decluttering doesn't mean you put everything away and you clear everything off so you don't see anything right Rhonda
2: absolutely because sometimes you like you said you need those visual Pieces that surround you for comfort and and to just help spur on some new ideas. Um, so you're 100 percent right. It's not about uh, it's not about whether or not it's all in the drawer. It's about whether or not it's in a way that will help you relax and be able to work.
1: Um, yeah, and some, and, so
2: and so sometimes you need uh, some toys. Sometimes you have to have yeah, toys out there. Yes, absolutely. And I'm actually going to talk a little bit about that. There, you know, I have. I'm a big Mr. Potato Head fan myself. So. Um, I keep the data head on my desk. I keep uh, Legos, um, a variety of other uh, games and, and assortment of odd beats and things because as I'm trying to think, sometimes I'll just play with those. Things. Playing is important and just getting your mind off of sometimes the problem or the block by doing anything while you're sitting there, especially if I don't want to get up and walk around. If I want to stay at my desk because I really want to be kind of uh, sequestered to get my work done. I sometimes need that break to just think a different direction, you know, and there's a number of things like that. You know, another example is, um, well, I always tell everyone that if you're the creative people are inquisitive people. So I wonder about things all the time, and I'm, I'm sure you do, and I'm sure that, that many of uh, the listeners do that. I'm constantly questioning and wondering and why and how. And could this be done differently? How would I do it differently? What would make this more special? How, you know, and, and keeping track of those things because you can't remember. You need to write down. This is another thing. If you're sitting there and you're coming up with ideas and you're trying to, to find a, uh, whether it's about marketing or it's creating your actual product, write down any thought, no matter how random it is. Um, if you could be driving in the car and see something that's totally unrelated to what you're doing, but you like the way that looks, stop. Take a picture with your phone. Write it down. Mm -hmm. It away because I, I have a
1: colleague all- who, who does a deal, he likes to role play and mm-hmm. he will when he, he does leadership and business and he will go through the, uh, the what ifs. I love what ifs. Well, if Napoleon is here, what, what if he had this problem? What would he do? It, it, you know, if blah, blah, blah was here, what would he do? I think that those kind of things are kind of fun and play with and it can get off the wall too.
2: Absolutely, taking another point of view, and that's, um, and that's another area where you talk about strategic creativity, um, where you, you kind of assimilate to either another character and you look at it from their point of view or you assimilate into who's going to eventually use your product and look at it from their eyes. Because as much as we like to think, this is my baby, especially when anything you create becomes your child and, you, oh, you love it and you nurture it and all of those things, but you're actually preparing that child to go out into the world. So the reality is you have to look at it as the world would look at your child. So if you if you take a look at your product, your book, uh, and, and as you're working on it, whether it's writing it or preparing to market it, and you look at it from the perspective of who eventually is going to read this, who is this going to go to, and then try to look at their part and incorporate some of that into, into at least the marketing efforts. Or, or perhaps even into the writing depending on the
1: type of the material you're writing. Mhm. Well, I I had recently um uh, uh, my friend said, "Oh, let's go see this new movie." a week ago. So we went to see the new Ben Affleck Gone Girl.
2: Mhm.
1: And and I came away. one. it's not my kind of movie, that kind of the psychological. I love I love thrillers type of thing, but the people who are so um manipulative and diabolical, actually, in what they do, I came away, I, I had to watch something else to bring me out of what it, the funk it put me into to realize, my God, there's people out here who do these awful things <laughs> that do well, it, this it, it, plotting, and, 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 and I'm, I'm always amazed at their creativity and how they can pull this stuff off. Um, and, and where they think of it, which my mind doesn't work in that kind of vindictive way, but it, it does open up other channels thinking, oh my gosh, you know, how do they get from point A to point B to point C to point D? Um, and it's, it's, it's all part of the creativity juices that do it. Uh, I
2: guess.
3: Absolutely. I thought. Felt-
2: I saw that as well uh, over the weekend, and my first thought was, well, it almost mirrors what you're saying, was, wow. I walked out going, oh, who thought of it? You know, and it is, I believe that movie is a great example of divergent thinking. It, it, the entire movie is that way. <laughs> it, you know, and so, um tremendously creative. Uh I don't, you'd, you'd almost have to be a little bit off your rocker to think of it yourself, but it's... Uh, a great movie, and, um, but certainly one that, that takes you on a variety of twists and turns throughout the entire plot until you, it eventually reveals itself. And, uh, and I think that's a wonderful example of kind of a free-flowing creative uh, process, if you look at it from that point of view. Uh, and I think it would help people understand that process.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's good to do. All right, so you, you mentioned blocks. And let's Mm -hmm. jump into some of the things that um, that we haven't already touched on, say that that if you're let's you're stuck and, Mm -hmm. you know, some authors say, oh, no, one ever gets stuck. And I said, well, there's sometimes you get slowed down or you get blocked or maybe the clutter comes in and you get distracted. I don't know. Um, But do you have like Rhonda's quick tips? Okay, so you're stuck a little bit. What should we do?
2: Well, yes, actually, there's a couple of things that you can do, and um, I'll kind of a quick list, if you will. Um, there's a thing called free writing, and you may be familiar with it. Uh, free writing is very good. Now, when you're an author, it's kind of hard sometimes to say, oh, gee, I want to write, and I don't really want to write. But free writing is where you just look at something like a shower curtain, <laughs> and you mm-hmm. say, and you start writing about it for 10 minutes, or five minutes, or however long you're going to write, and it's a free word association, and you just write. So it starts out like, oh, my shower curtain is blue. And it might be as blue as the sky oh the sky and you just kind of free randomly free write for uh, it's, a, it's a, a stream of consciousness if you will that you just kind of lay out on a piece of paper And sometimes that helps break a, helps develop creativity and break a block but there's some other things that um, that you can really do and one of them is don't be afraid to get up and walk away and I said that before you have to sometimes get up walk away from the table and say, okay I need to put this down for now. I need to go ski. I need to go do something totally unrelated to what I'm working on so I can do my brain dump and get my brain uh, and then be ready to have have new ideas enter in. So that's important. Um, there's a couple of other things that you can do. Um, one is – you can kind of go back and, and look at your work from a, from a new set of eyes, a fresh set of eyes, and pretend this is the first time that you're a reader, it's the first time you're looking at it, and then, and then continue on with that creative process and say, okay, well, where should I go from here? Um, your friend's idea, I think, of, of taking on a new personality, a new person, become somebody, and, and how, how would they handle this situation is also another way. Um, you really need to laugh sometimes to break to just just get you out of that funk. So anything that would make you laugh. There's a game you can play called triboard, Tri Board, T R I Board, Tri Board, and it is I think one of the best games that will develop creativity and make you start thinking a little bit differently. So if you have that game, find a friend, play Tri Board. It'll really help break the clutter. Um, the I mean break the uh, break the block and 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 get you back on track. Um, Avoid rigid people. I, if you are in, especially if you're in a creative block, avoid rigid sets of rules, patterns, people. They're idea killers, and they'll, they'll just bring you down. You cannot be around too much of that, particularly when you're in a block, because it, you really have to kind of get out of them, start thinking differently and get out of that box that you put yourself into. And so uh, great things that are very rigid do not help you when you're in that situation. So I would say those are some of the quick ideas. Celebrate the small stuff. If you're in a block and you, you just you can't really get past a certain point and you, you finally manage to come up with an even if it's a next sentence, <laughs> stop and go, yes, and celebrate it, you know. Um and then the other thing that you can do is you can look at you can look for something that really speaks to you and that will feed that. So if you're somebody who also likes to many creative people have many skills, they're not just writers, they might be photographers or painters or uh, you know have some other form of the art just so when you take that break go do something but do something creative so try to do something that's creative but in a different realm than you're used to
1: mm-hmm. you know when some of the things I well I like to cook and a lot of times when I used to come back off the road when I traveled so much sometimes I used to be 10 12 different states in one month speaking on my books and I would come back, and you know I'd been gone for a while, and John, hubby John, would say, you know, God, there's so much to do, you need to get down in the office. And I would be up there cooking. And I and guess <laughs> part of my creativity comes cooking. And, and that you know he finally has let go after all these years because what he didn't understand, that number one, that was one way I needed to reground myself. And two, I, you know, because of the quiet time and just diddling around up there that I would come up with maybe some ideas of something that I might have been stuck on or open up something that I hadn't thought about and I could take it and run with it. So it's, you know, you never know where it's going to come from. And and when you talk about free writing, we had a fun exercise we did one time where we just got a bunch of fruit out. and and fruit and vegetables, and one guy glomped onto the cucumber and started writing about, you know, his wife is like a cucumber. And, oh, my God, where he took off, I can't even repeat some of the stuff that happened from that. But it was hilarious. It was hilarious <laughs> what came out of that. You- but it opened up, it, it you know, we all laughed, we all had fun, and we all, the 20 of us, all opened up and went in different areas just because of the cucumber episode.
2: And, you know, that's exactly why you get away from that. And, create, and cooking is very creative. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, that you, can, you can kind of break the rules and you can, and you can go outside the, the, the traditional recipe, if you will, and you can, you can create your own, uh, your own flavor. And it's, very, it's a very good exercise to help develop creativity. And then what you did is what I like to do is cross-pollination or GEI, generic engineered ideas, <laughs> and, well, uh, or, genetic, or genetically engineered. So genetically engineered ideas, and what that—that's where you just take something, and one thing that seemingly unrelated to another starts relating to it, and you take um, ideas or concepts from one field or across mm-hmm. to another, and it's a cross pollination, and those create some of the best uh, creative juices you can ever—you know—get some flowing and some of the best ideas.
1: Yeah, and that's what happened. All right, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, I want to jump into the whole idea of how to capture ideas, and where Rhonda talks about creativity is different from invention. So you're listening to Author You, your guide to book publishing. We'll be right back.
0: This is your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host Dr. Judith Bryles and we'll be right back with more great information right after these.
4: Since 1987, ColorHouse Graphics has set the standard for quality book production. Whether you decide to print a small quantity of books or need a large print run, depend on ColorHouse to help you. You'll receive professional help and advice the moment you reach one of our representatives. If you mention hearing about us on your guide to book publishing, Judith Briles, we will provide you with discount on the first order you place. To speak with a project manager, call us toll-free at 800-454-1916 or visit us at www.colorhousegraphics.com.
3: When Ned Thompson and Harry Shore started Thompson Shore in 1972, they believed employees with great character would make up the best company. They were right. They hired people who were not only experts in bookmaking, but who were obsessed with quality and delivering exceptional customer service. Almost 40 years later, Thompson Shore remains a 100% employee-owned company. Ned and Harry knew that successful customer projects are a direct result of empowered employees. We specialize in all books for large and small publishers, creating beautiful and well-made books. We're dedicated to pleasing our customers by making the experience a good one from start to finish. The personal touch we have with our customers allows us to be innovative in solving their most difficult challenges. Our platform also ensures that we can remain flexible to meet our customers' unique needs and expectations. Our marketing kit can create buzz for your title, enhancing the promotion of your book during infancy. When you need to test the market to gauge your future sales, we can provide digitally printed books that will transition seamlessly into a larger offset run. From ebook to hard copy to delivery, our skillful customer service teams are at the ready
0: Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles.
1: One of the fun creativity things that we're doing with AuthorU.org is we've created the Draft a Dream Book Competition. And we're so excited about it because it's open to anybody globally and here's the hook you can't be published in the category that you are entering in there are four key categories there are children's young adult fiction or nonfiction now I can't enter because I'm part of author you but if I could I could not enter the non-fiction arena because that's where I hang out. I write nonfiction books. But let me tell you, nonfiction people can easily, easily, with creativity, convert their books, maybe to a young adult, to children's, even the fiction twists. I can tell you I've done over 10,000 interviews in all my books I've written. Some of those stories are unbelievable, and I'm actually working on a screenplay dealing with one of the key stories of dealing with women in sabotage right now so if you publish if you're a children's author how about stretching yourself and creating a chapter book and become a young adult maybe author or if you're a fiction author and you do leadership what about some leadership ideas for kids or teens that you might be able to convert so noodle a little bit be creative and go to AuthorU.org and click on the icon that has the Draft a Dream Book Competition and enter. The early bird will uh, end on November 15th. If you're an AuthorU.org paid-up member, it's $99. Everyone else is $119. You have the opportunity to win up to 10000 four for people in each category, one grand prize for each category, and then there are 20 runner-ups, unbelievable gifts and prizes in this competition. That's AuthorU.org, the Draft a Dream Book Competition. All right, with me today is Rhonda Shea, and we're talking about creativity, which I love. Um, I love the direction she's going, and I asked her to Come back to, she was talking about celebrating the small stuff, which I'm a huge believer in. Um, and, and how do you capture ideas as well as the difference between creativity and invention? So, Rhonda, what is that difference?
2: Well, uh, creativity is not invention. You're not out there inventing a new, I don't know, a new widget what what you are doing is finding new applications and new intersections between ideas or concepts or products that already do exist. So um so creativity it's not that you've ever invented writing a book. You didn't invent that. But, or you didn't invent uh murder. You didn't invent a uh, self-help book, but it's a new way to look at it or a new way to do it or create it. So um and so and sometimes people think that creativity can lead creativity is also similar to in innovation, but it is not invention. And so you're not trying to come up with something from nothing. You're trying to really take an idea or concept and put it, put it forth in, in a creative light. Um, the other thing that um, I believe helps is that, and you, you kind of alluded to this, you have to keep track of your ideas. You have to write them down. Most people after 24 hours will forget something no matter how cool you think it is. 24 hours later, you won't remember it. Or if you do, you'll remember one thing, not five things that you thought of that day. So, making sure you're journaling and keeping a, 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 and keeping these ideas, even if they're not good for what you're working on, then you would be able to go back and use them later.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, with all my new clients that uh, my consulting clients I work with, I give them a, 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 you know one of the moleskin books that we created. Um, and, they, and they just have, has the book Shepherd on it. And we just give them to them. I just bring that with me. Use this. It's it's a bright lime green color so you can see it right away. And it, it doesn't get lost for just that kind of thing.
2: Absolutely. Just
1: write it down. And you're talking 24 hours. Heck, an hour later, I've forgotten. It, it could be five I, minutes. I mean, it sometimes, you know, ideas flow in and out fast.
2: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, it could it could be. It's easy to forget things, so you need to, to write them down.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and something, somewhere, somewhere to noodle it and bring it back to it. Um, you talked about, and when you and I talked earlier, you talked about sometimes creativity is really tied to happiness. So yes.
2: where do we go with that? Well, you know, we are are designed to use all of our brain. And... Unfortunately, as I mentioned before, in our society, we've gotten to the point where, and, and most people have a day job. They're not just sitting at home mm-hmm. writing or they're painting. Or, because in our country, it's one of those things where artists typically have to have a day job. Um, so you're in an environment that doesn't create happiness sometimes. Not that it's mean. I'm not saying that your workplace is a, is bad. but. When I did I did a survey, and this is kind of this is really a sad statement, but it translates back to your home life. Um, that I, I talked to 200 people in business, and most were mid-level management people in a variety across all disciplines. Some worked at universities, some for the government, some worked at, in media, um, and overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, the response that I received from people was, in my opinion, very sad, and I think it relates to why we don't see. The creativity in our lives and in the workforce that, that we used to see in this country, and frankly, we've lost it. It's almost a lost art. And what the responses I got were, well, "They don't pay me to be creative," they, whoever they is, um, or it would be. Um, uh, let me. I'm actually going to look at this and give you some of the real, real responses. 83% of the people I spoke with, 83%, now think about this. They immediately responded with no hesitation to, "They don't want you to be creative here." I'm not allowed to be creative. I'm not allowed to be creative. I mean, can you imagine? And some of the other statements were, creativity is not welcome in my office. So when you are in a work environment that is, where, you're, where you do not believe that you have the value or you're not asked to use that part of your brain, and you're busy and you come home, it's a depressing situation. And it's not good for the workforce in general because it's much better to have workers who participate and are happy. So because you want to feel engaged, you want to feel that your contribution counts. And that goes at home as well. Um, so when you are using your brain, when you go out and you do something that is on the creative side of your brain, whether that's writing a poem, uh, working on your book, uh, taking a photograph, playing with Photoshop, um building Legos, whatever it might be, uh, woodworking. There's so many ways to be creative. Reading, reading is a fabulous one. Um, and when you do those things, you feel satisfied, and you, you get this this feeling um, that helps you feel like you've done something, you've completed something, that you, you count and you matter. And when you, it's very, very difficult um, to create that feeling of happiness if you're not fulfilled on the creative side of your brain. And so that—that's what I
1: meant by that. Perfect. And I—and I think that that's—it's um, it, stunning to me when people say we can't be creative. I—I I was a spokesperson years ago for one of the um, products that Procter and Gamble made, and I remember sitting in our in our initial layup where we're getting ready to launch this new product that they were doing that I was a spokesperson for and that the, the CEO said that, look, at if you, he, he didn't like the phrase thinking out of the box. He said, look, at, if you got to think out of the box, it means you got to change the bloody box. <laughs> and <I> always, <laughs> I, <laughs> that always stuck with me, always stuck with me, that we need to change the box um, from yeah. where we come from. It's, it's, it can't be the same old, same old all the time.
2: Absolutely can't. And in fact, I just even hate the term because we really shouldn't be in any kind of a box. But unfortunately, yes. um, you know, it, it, it's a good way to describe it. But to put yourself, sometimes you put yourself in those boxes because you're afraid to take the risk. And, you know, that's another thing being creative. Don't be afraid to take the risk, whether that's at work or in your own personal life or even, uh, you know, or when you're writing, uh, writing your book. Don't be afraid to take a risk because it is through taking the risk. And sometimes, uh, the solution to your problem or the solution to your creativity block isn't going to be logical because the, because the problem's not logical, so the solution doesn't necessarily be logical it's <laughs> logical so try to um, realize that it's it's critical to to be able to think differently and and take a risk and Risk-taking is an absolute. It's right on the top of the list. Risk-taking and breaking rules are some of the two <laughs> most important things you can do to be great. I don't mean breaking rules just to get up and say, well, I'm going to break a rule, so I think I'll drive 80 miles an hour down this road today. What it really means is that you understand why the rule's there and then look at it from a different perspective and see if there's, if there's a reason, a strategic reason to break it. Don't be afraid to do that because if you don't break the rule, you'll never get outside the line You never get out of the box.
1: Well and and the other the other thing is that when you do start breaking those rules uh, my experience is that it it becomes um transformational i've got a client who really was a um, i mean he is not was he is a well respected businessman headed up a firm and during the process of writing the book the transformation that was happening to him that it turned out that his personal goals were really coming to the forefront, and they no longer matched what their collectively 18-year partnership was all about. And that, um, and he found that he had really outgrown his partner in a lot of ways. And they're going through a painful divorce right now. Um, Because of it and where one says is really much more about money and uh, my client is more about more of a a global perspective now money you need money to do some of the things they want to do, but he wants to bring a lot more into the mix. And his partner wants to leave everything as it is, and it's it, it's painful. It's painful. Um, I I know that I will tomorrow. I will be going down to their probably last conference for all their clients. And I said to him, "Do people know what's coming? Do, do your clients know what's coming?" And he says, "They don't." And I said, "They oh yes, they will. I, I I guarantee they will feel everything when I walk into that room. I'm going to tell you, I will feel." There is something in the air. Don't mm-hmm. deny it. So
2: mm-hmm. makes it interesting. It, and creativity can spur. Uh, you know, when you start thinking differently, it can change the way you think. And that's that's not. Uh, and, and that's why some people are afraid of it because change. It can spur change, and change is, of course, what the biggest fear we all face. Um, other, and another fear we face with being creative is weird, is we don't understand that the benefit of being wrong can many times outweigh the ramifications of it it's okay. But, you know, we don't get that. <laughs>
1: that is that is dicey, Ron. But let's come back. We're gonna take our last break. We'll come back and we're gonna open back up on that. This is Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. I'm Judith Bryles, and my guest today is Rhonda Shea.
0: This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles, and we'll be right back with more great information right after these.
3: book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and a guide to partner with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so, or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand, and is a financial success, a bestseller. It's your choice. You choose. You need the book shepherd. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You don't need problems, you want solutions. Dr. Judith Bryles will shepherd you through the maze and the chaos. At times, she's had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, or by a publishing service provider, or sometimes even the author themselves. Judith Bryles is the book shepherd. If you want to create a book with no regrets, give her a call today. 303 885-2207 885 that's 303 or email her at Judith@bryles.com at by the way Briles is spelled B-R-I-L-E-S follow Judith on Twitter at My Book Shepherd and on Facebook at The Book Shepherd
0: Stay tuned, and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles.
1: Fear, oh my gosh, the fear factor in writing, in publishing, in publicity, in promotion. And I think one of the things that a lot of authors don't realize is how vulnerable they become once those books come out. And I think this is when creativity can really come into play, uh, kind of like the invisible cloak. In fact, I was reading not too long ago, Rhonda, that they're actually they're developing an invisible cloak that can be commercialized. I can hardly wait to get one. I think that would be very cool to be a fly on the <laughs> wall in some
2: places. I'm in. I'm in on that.
1: <laughs> I am totally in on it. But but the, but the fear factor is huge, whether it's sometimes with media, sometimes with writing, sometimes with anything. And um, when you have creativity, you can be clever. I think it can get you a, a lot of times out of deep doo-doo.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it can. It can definitely help you get get you out of situations. It can also put you in situations. All right. Um, so, yeah. So how, how do
1: we get into them and get out of them? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know. Well, you know, I I was saying earlier that that being wrong can many times outweigh the ramifications of of being wrong. And we learn sometimes through our mistakes and through our trial and error, and we can't be afraid to learn and grow. And we can't be afraid of what I call stepping out on thin air, taking that risk and saying, well, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to quit the job, and I'm going to go ahead and try to write that book. Or I'm going to – you know, you have to, of course – again, I go back to strategic. If you are going to do that, you plan it so that you can get yourself six months of – Time or a year where you can live and not lose your home, I and mean, you know all the things that people fear. But you can't be afraid to take that risk, and that means not only creatively in your writing, but but in uh, the promotion and in the marketing aspects of of your book or, or your product or whatever you're attempting to to promote to the public. But fear is a huge factor. Many of the things we don't—it's most of the things we don't do—is because we're afraid of. We're afraid. of it. We, We're just simply—it's in our nature to um, to be hesitant and. Those people that are tremendously creative or have that, there's always those people that you see and they're skiing off the cliffs and they're doing things and they have no fear. Well, it, it, to some degree, we have to learn to incorporate that into our professional lives and into our creative lives where we're not afraid to go off that, um, that cliff and take the chance. And because that's where the greatest growth is sometimes made is when we're just taking a step out into nothing and going, okay, <laughs> I'm going to chance it. Here we go
1: yeah and some of the greatest growth can come that when you did take that step off and you bombed that oh,
2: absolutely
1: that you can take it and run with it. i mean I've always said that, and I've had a lot of success out there, but my 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 greatest movement has come from the failures I've gone through and absolutely. and moving on i mean there certainly you get lessons learned. But these these ahas, or sometimes other avenues, open up that wouldn't be there if you hadn't stumbled a little bit.
2: You know, I always tell everyone that creativity is a, a destructive force. And uh, uh, you know, where uh, uh, you kind of have to tear things apart and do things differently, and then put them back together in a different way. So the, the, one of the first steps of creativity is being willing to just kind of blow things apart. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. where the fear comes in. That's where the fear factor will you'll stop you at step one if you if you let it you let it
1: consume you. All right. So you had, uh, we had a discussion one time and I'd like to come back to this, this last segment where you talked about that you've got to find the intersection between your thoughts to spur this Mm -hmm. on, the concepts that the product, whether it's a book or maybe it's a spinoff product, what kind of storyline that your readers, those buyers have in mind. So Mm -hmm. what kind of steps do we go through for that?
2: Well, just, um, one of the things is creativity, uh, as I mentioned before, it's a way of thinking. It doesn't stop. It's a way of living at 5 p.m. So, or it doesn't stop at a certain time frame. So uh, first, remember that you might have a great idea and you might wake up out of your sleep. Well, get up out of bed and, and act on it. <laughs> at least write it down. And it's mm-hmm. connecting dots out of sequence. If things don't It's, you know, it's like taking that picture that you did when you were a kid and you went from one to two to three and it ended up being a flower. Well, it's like going from 1 to 7 to 8 to 9, and it ends up being a mess, but it really isn't. It's your mess, and it's going to be great. Um, and you have to be passionate. Um, most creative people, I believe, are know-it-alls, and they're interested in everything. And this is where the connectivity comes into play. They're interested in everything. If they want to know about everything. It doesn't matter. They're just those kinds of people that have questions they want to know, and they file those away. Eventually, they find the connection between your product, their business, their service, and something that's new and different. So the idea of, and I mean, I can give you a couple of examples of things um, that seemingly make no sense, but they, they connect together because the connectivity part is where you live in the brain of the person who's going to use your book or read your book or your product and and your idea or your, your actual product. So the reality is that in our brains as we go around, there isn't any place that says, uh, I don't know, let's say um, – El Dorado Spring Water doesn't actually live in my brain. I'll use that as an example. It doesn't live in my brain. Uh, Or Cabana Lemonade doesn't live in my brain. But if I'm out with my kids and we're going to the beach and I want to give them something good, then I might say, well, gee, let's bring some lemonade to the party. Then it lives in my brain. So that's where the intersection is. So you have to be ready and prepared and be in that intersection with your product so that people will choose it or with your, your story so that they'll pick your book up instead of another one. And so, uh, some of the ways that I look at, uh, building that connectivity, and I'll just, if you don't mind, I'll just use an example. One, well, um, a client of mine, a client of mine, uh, asked me to put something together that involved these three elements. At food, the presidential election, and soft drinks. And it was find the crossroads between, and I call it the crossroads, all three of these products. Now imagine that. <laughs> All right. But, uh, yeah, and so what we came up with was that we, w- we would work with this fast food outlet, and we developed a thing called, obviously, everyone's heard of this, but we took a twist on it, the straw pole. I did not invent the straw poll. We all know what a straw poll is, but let's take it literally and put blue straws and red straws out, and when consumers purchase a soft drink and go through their line, they can pick a blue straw or a red straw based on their political affiliation or mm-hmm. a white straw, and um, which would be, uh, you know, their uh, – Independent, and they can go through the situation, pick that out. They kept track of that, and then they would post on their website daily um, who was winning the election based on their straw poll. Yuck, yuck, yuck! You know, and uh, and Coca-Cola ended up um, I believe it was Coca whoever they were carrying at the restaurant ended up sponsoring some stuff. The, the the company I was working for was a large newspaper conglomerate. They ended up selling the project to the fast food company, and then promoting it in the newspaper and doing a variety of. Promotions around that to increase their sales in the paper. So, so what happened was we took things that seemed unrelated and we made them, we found that connectivity. So what was the connection between a fast food place and a presidential election? It's straw, straw. Draw a poll.
1: And there so you that's go. Of, yeah.
2: Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's the connectivity. And that's okay, finding so, the intersection.
1: So now I'm curious, how accurate was mm-hmm. the poll?
2: <laughs> well, actually, it, it, they did pick the winner, but not by the margin. <laughs> okay, isn't that sad? Yeah. More people voted in the straw poll. <laughs> More people had sodas than actually voted in the election, so that was pretty pathetic. But it was uh, was in multiple states.
1: <laughs> wow, that's hilarious, though. Yeah, I know. That yeah, that's funny. that's a hoot in in the process. All right, so if if you if you go through all that and and reaching out and it goes back to a lot of things that i have said so many times that when a rider sits down in these last couple of minutes um that we have together today and when they sit down You know, I've always told them, okay, I just want you, whether if you're on your laptop or your desktop or whatever you're writing on, your, your pad of paper, I just want you to stop and look up and imagine across from you the ideal reader of your book, the ideal buyer. Who is that? Person, persons, and describe them to me. Give me the details. Give me their hopes, their fears, their passions. Let me tell tell me how they play. Are they married? Do they have kids? Do do they you know what what who are they? What do they do? And I am always amazed, Rhonda, that very few can do that.
2: You know, it doesn't surprise me because I have talked to hundreds of businesses about marketing and creativity and promotion, and most. People say, everybody. Who's your consumer? And they say, everybody. And I will tell you now, Uh, your consumer is everybody. It's nobody. (laughs) You lose.
1: Yes. Well, and I've always said that, you know, it's much easier to be the whale in the pond than the sardine in the sea. That you've Absolutely. got to niche it down. Rhonda, we have a couple of minutes left. And, and why don't we tell people, I mean, I, this has been wonderful, great insight um, about your company and what you can do for authors and writers. Sure.
2: Well, um, my business is uh, Shea Group, S-A-T-Y-A dash group dot com. And uh, folks are welcome to go on there and take a look at uh, at, at the services we offer. And we offer a variety of services related to marketing, but I have a, a, a workshop and um, private coaching under what I call creative engine optimization, which is taking your brain and uh, putting it in hyperdrive when it comes to creativity. And um, I can provide private coaching sessions for that or come in and speak to, to large groups. Uh, companies have done this for the University of Denver twice. Um, I am currently... Getting ready to do this for another symposium in, in Chicago. Um, we are, we're able to, and I have a, I have a partner that helps me with this as well, who's, who's extremely creative and, and depending on what we're focusing on, they may bring in someone else to help with certain elements of this. But okay. the key thing isn't just creativity, it's strategic creativity. You have to be strategic about this because that's what's going to sell. That's what's going to make you the money. And unless you're independently wealthy, you need just go around and do creative things for the heck of it. <laughs> but and, you, and that doesn't work.
1: You, and with that, we're going to have to close yeah. up here. But Rhonda Shea, you can get a hold of her at the Shea Group, S-H-E-Y-A Group.com. And um, if you want to make a difference in what you're doing, Rhonda will be the perfect guide, and she will be doing a workshop at the Author You Extravaganza. Start watching for information on that May 7th through 9th next year, 2015. You want to have that experience. Thanks so much, Rhonda.
2: Hey, can I add one more thing? Uh, there's a dash yeah. between Shay and Group, so it's Shay oh, oh. Group. Okay.
1: okay, so it's S H E Y hyphen
2: Group. S H E Y A hyphen Group. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. All righty. Thank you great. so much. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. All right. We'll be with you next week, and have a great week.
0: Thank you for being a part of Your Guide to Book Publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Each week, a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take you, the author, to the next level. You'll learn tips and secrets on how to create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve book publishing success by making one very simple change in your book's journey. How to avoid the publishing predators. How to create an author and book platform that rocks. Learn how to make a living with your words and your books. Learn how to publish a book that has no regrets. And so much more. For more information, check out authoryou.org, where authors who want to be seriously successful go. And Judith's website, TheBookShepherd.com. Then join us again here next week for more. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Riles. Brought to you by Author You and the Book Shepherd. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.